reasonable proximity. What? So I told him, I was like, I've never done this. Like, oh, you're it's 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 just sitting sitting and talking. So the idea is just like find a comfortable spot <laughs> as, we, as we move around. Scoot on in, and then and it, so as long as it's within a foot, you're okay. You're more yeah. You're yeah. like you're comfy on the couch. Yeah. Kind of jealous. I, know, I, got, I got the comfy spot. How do you like the uh, the abused pillows? We, yeah. This the furniture. How how you describe it? The furniture in here. The furniture is like eclectic. Um, not eclectic, but like used up, battered. <laughs> it looks like a garage sale. Yeah. Kind of. That's from a uh, an old folks home, actually. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, these are two. So I got these from a, a Heather Powell help. This is totally random, but she helped me get these from an old folks home. Like, I just need a couple of chairs, like a place for people to sit down. Like, I don't need it, whatever. You can see there's still like fecal matter stains on the carpet or whatever, but <laughs> from the previous tenant. The did, you dentist, do, did you get this recently? Like last summer. Oh, okay. Next door, the dentist's office, the same chairs. Same exact chairs? I, identical. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, I don't know how that segues into our, our conversation <laughs> today, but uh, we're, we're sitting here with uh, Whitney Martin, and uh, I want to – like. I'm, that's where I'm going to start. I'm just going to ha- hand it to you. How would you describe yourself? Oh, what, my gosh. What, what world are you coming from? I am – First and foremost, all things gut health. Okay. Cool. All things gut health. So it's like, so start off on, let's go with, um, so from the very beginning, let's just go background. Like what do you, what do you do? What did you learn? Where did you learn it? Um, Background, just background information. Okay. So I struggled with like debilitating digestive symptoms for like a decade. Starting at what age? Starting... I mean, teenage years. But once yeah. I started, like, digging into it and, like, asking my mom questions, she's like, oh, you, like, had stomach aches, like, all the time when you were younger. So I think it it had been stemming from childhood. I just didn't, like, realize it. Normal was um, normal. Yeah, it was normal. And um, – but it just kept getting worse and worse. So I dealt with – majority of it was, like, chronic constipation and, like, bloating that was, like – it would just – by the end of the night, I looked like eight months pregnant every really? night, like real, real bad. So it would get so uncomfortable. Like when I was, you know, working during the day, like I was like, I got to unbutton my pants. Like, you know, I can't focus because I'm in so much pain. And, you know, I had my first colonoscopy when I was like 24. Oh, wow. Um, because they were like, there's something, something, going, something on. going on, which of course, you know, I get that and they're like, everything looks great. You have IBS. Sure. C. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like. Which is irritable. Okay. What's the C? Uh, so irritable, irritable bowel syndrome. syndrome. But then they kind of like will diagnose it based on if you're more on like the constipation side, if you're on the loose bowel side, or if you have like alternating. Is that just bowels. an umbrella statement that yes. they throw at people? Hey, you Completely. have diarrhea, you're constipated, whatever. You got IBS. You- it's basically like, okay, you're having this set of symptoms. We don't know what's causing it. So here's an umbrella term. So exactly, I got that, and I was like, "How old were you?" That doesn't tell me anything. Twenty-four. Okay. Like oh, the, that's after the colonoscopy they gave you that. Yes, that's oh, so after they, because I did the colonoscopy and I did an upper endoscopy, um, and they were like, "Everything looks great." Hmm. So you have IBS. So cool. Okay. You got to deal with this. You know, these are just normal symptoms, but uh, we can give you a medication that'll you help go. you. You know, get nice. your bowels moving. Which, of course, then comes with other, like, downside side effects because it's a medication. A medication. Yeah. So it's going to have – so, of course, I'm like, I don't like this either. 
this isn't helping. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then I started moving. I started doing, I'm going to try acupuncture. You know, that like helped a little bit. But then I'd be like, I'm going to go see like a different kind of doctor, a different. I mean, I went every path because I was just like, there has to be something else. Like, you're not telling me I'm 24 years old and I am feel like, no pun intended, total you shit yeah, every right. single day. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept being like, you know, I started at that point reading, you know, functional medicine doctor books, listening to podcasts, like all of that. And so I just like started like going down all these avenues myself. And I mean, this was like through years yeah. and even like starting to change my diet myself. Um, and then finally, after I'd seen like, you know, maybe three gastros and I was finally like, you guys need to run a SIBO breath test on me, which if you don't know, it's like SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So the majority of our bacteria actually live in our colon, our large intestine. But when they migrate into our small intestine, basically when we're digesting all of our food in our small intestine, um, they start to ferment that food. So it's like gas, bloating. So really, I mean, if you look at like people that are diagnosed with IBS. Small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Yes. SIBO. Got it. So 60 to 70% of people that are actually diagnosed with IBS will be shown to have SIBO. What causes the bacteria to go back upstream? Or what allows the bacteria to go back upstream? Um, So a lot of different things going on. Um, but in the case, to, to, to reiterate, so you're talking, so the, the bacteria, so you said 60 to 70% of bacteria is supposed to be in your, no, 60 to 70% of people okay, with gotcha, gotcha. IBS. So the major, almost all of our bacteria lives in our large intestine, large intestine, which is the, almost the final, final exit point. Yeah. So what you're saying is the, the bacteria is going upstream to the small intestine. Yeah. What causes it to go So it can be a lot of causes Um, in the case of being on the side of the, there's different, um, so you can have like different SIBO types. You can either, where the bacteria either producing hydrogen or they're producing methane. When methane is correlated with the constipation side. And a lot of times with that is you're just not moving through, you know, your waste products and they're able to like get reabsorbed by the body and kind of migrate up through the small intestine. Because it's not evacuating. It's not evacuating. Okay. Um, kind of to, like, I get this question a lot where it's like, is it better to eat smaller meals, like, throughout the day? Or is it better to eat, like, you know, your just main focus on balancing, like, three main meals a day? So when you look at it from the standpoint of, like, SIBO, if you're eating those, like, smaller main meals, we have this complex um, in the body called our migrating motor complex. And it's basically like that cleaning out system that's getting everything swooshing through, you know, your digestive tract and making sure it's all eliminated properly. But it can only run if you're like you haven't eaten for like four hours because you need the entire process digestion to go through and then it can sweep through. So if you're constantly eating and you're doing that like grazing, you know, that kind of eating that can contribute to that. Obviously, you know, there's a time and place for specific nutrition recommend recommendations for either yeah, oh, way, for sure. right. but that's something that can contribute to the SIBO overgrowth. Got you. So, so there, there is something to be said about having time in between meals. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's that, there's that component of it, but also just like 
the energy that it takes to digest. Like when we're awake, the majority of our energy is going towards like digesting our so food. I, so we want to have that rest. How true is this? I've read that 40% of your energy is used on digestion when you are digesting food. Yes. It's a huge amount. That's okay. And and for so as a reference point, your brain is 20 to 25% of your, of your body's energy. So like it's almost double yeah. the energy output just on digestion. And I would say – I would honestly say even more than 40 um, like during the day. And so that's what's so important too about giving your body a digestion rest at night. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about like people are like, oh, I can't eat you know right before bed because – that's just going to sit in my stomach. I'm not going to digest it. I'm going to gain weight. That's not the, that's not true. Yes, your digestion will slow down, but it's not that you're not going to digest it. The problem is we are using that energy at night towards digestion. Right. We want to use all of that energy towards our brain, towards, you know, recover, so, recover, so yes, repair, repair yeah. all yeah. of that. Yeah. All right, so you got so you you asked for the SIBO test. Oh my god, yes. So okay, so the back to test. this. Yep, and then you tangent. so then they so you asked for the breath test. Yep. You weren't prescribed a breath test or recommended to take it. You just through your own reading or whatever asked to take a the breath test, correct? Yeah, through my own reading, I was like looking at all of the symptoms, everything related to it, and I was like this is like dead on. Like I am like a true case for SIBO. Like, why has nobody ever ran this on me? Okay. So I went to my the GI doctor that I was seeing at the time, and I was like, okay, please run this test on me. He's like, okay. So they ran it, and it was like the worst. He was like, we've never seen anything this bad. Like, it was – so basically with a SIBO breath test, you um, ingest like this sugar concentrate. Um, you do like a breath test to start. To get like your baseline and then you ingest like this um, sugar concentrate and then you breathe into this like thing like every five minutes for like three hours or something. Or maybe it was like, I can't remember what the increments are. But basically, I was already hitting like overload of SIBO on my baseline before my bacteria even had a chance to like ferment, play with the the sugar. And then, like, I was only, like, a third of the way through the test, and they were like, okay, just just stop. We know what you like, got. Like, it's, like, off the charts. So, of course, I'm, like, coming from – this is why I can relate to clients so well, too, because coming from the side of just being frustrated, so frustrated of, like, never having an answer and being, like, I just want something to be there so that I know how to fix so it. So you start working. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, it comes back, and I'm, like, okay, well, this sucks. But I'm so happy. Like I was at this point, I'm like, yes. You found an answer. I know. I find an answer. But of course, I go home and I'm like, but I'm there. And of course, the uh, course of action is to take an antibiotic. Um, and why I'm there, I'm like, okay, well. Can what- you pause really quick and tell us what an antibiotic does to your gut? So your antibiotic um, does not have the ability to differentiate between the different types of bacteria within your gut. So not only does it kill off what you're trying to kill off, but it also kills off your good bacteria, um, which is essential for so many parts. Do, aren't we more bacteria? What's, the, what's the statistic on, on us Human cells versus bacterial cells. We have a hundred trillion cells of bacteria within our gut 100 alone. Trillion. Um, okay. The majority of our bacteria. We do have bacteria within, you know, our mouth and our 
all the other systems, um, but it's majority of us in our gut. And that's a hundred times more cells than we have actual human cells. Okay. So we're more, we're a hundred times more bacteria than we are human. Yes. On a cellular basis. Yes. Right. And yet there's this, they've been demonized. Bacteria <laughs> well, has. Absolutely. Well, and, 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 like we have, we have to kill all bacteria. Uh-huh. It kills it all. Yeah, it kills everything. It doesn't differentiate. And right. obviously, I mean, there's a Your time and a place. Your ear jacked up. Huh? Did you see his ear? Yeah, my ear's jacked up. Oh, what'd you do? It's just a little Did purple. Did you know about that? Yeah. Oh, it's like all black and purple. blue. That looks a lot purple. Well, you know what? It's pretty it's, good. It's the lighting. It's so, the lighting. So yeah. I took you off track. So you you said the prescription when you were diagnosed with SIBO, you yep. finally were given something. So, yep. And I want to backtrack a second, too, to like how you started your journey because I feel like a lot of people get frustrated. They go to mm-hmm. a conventional practitioner and they, they're just told that's the way it is. 24 year old young woman. You're just going to have to it. deal with this. Here's the stuff. Go pick it up at your local pharmacy. For, for, for some people that's going to like, okay, this is just the, this is the hand I'm dealt. So be it for other of us, including yourself. You're like, hell no. Yeah. I want to feel good and I want something to cling to. So I think one, one reason I'm so optimistic today about health and I know there's a lot of pessimists out there and there's a lot of reason to be pessimistic, but we have access now to to research and to, to experts that are out there giving their information away for free mm-hmm. for us to go and grab tidbits that might help lead us, you know, exactly in your case, down down a rabbit hole to find finding actual solutions. So here here you are, you're prescribed an antibiotic, presumably. What where did you do from what did you go from there? So I will say prior to doing the prior to doing the SIBO test, like I'm telling you, I went every route, different doctors. I was like, somebody's got to have an answer for me. So previous to this, I had seen a naturopath that I knew did food sensitivity testing because I was like, well, that's got to be like, and of course, came back on my panel. There was things I eliminated. Um, yes, improvement, but not anything sustainable. And I will say dairy was one of the food sensitivities that I had an issue with. So now I'm back in the GI office. I have this diagnosis of SIBO. They're, they're giving me an antibiotic and I'm like, what can I do about the diet? I mean, they basically looked at me with like a blank face of like, what are you talking about? What does the diet have anything so to do with So they literally this? give me back then, like, leave the room, come back with this paragraph from the American Dietetics Association, and it was like a complete joke. And basically the only thing I remember on there was like consume dairy. And I was like, I know that's one of my biggest triggers. So thank you very much. Get your serving of whole grains. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So then I go home and I want to say this is like a Thursday or Friday. I go home and of course over the weekend, I'm just like reading everything. And of course then I had the methane dominant SIBO and everything I'm reading is like 80% of the time it comes back. So like, it's just, it's really hard to like get rid of it. Get rid of it. Um, and I'm looking at it and I was like, okay, you know, I'm even looking at like People like Chris Cresser or I'm like, even if they'd rather go the like non-antibiotic route, like if you're going to go the antibiotic route, they didn't even prescribe me the right antibiotics for the type I had. Like I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm like, that's the antibiotic you take for the methane dominant. Like I had the SIBO dominant or the, that you take for the hydrogen dominant. Sorry. I had the methane dominant. And so I'm calling back the office like multiple times 
finally I like get a hold of one of the nurses. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm very confused because I've been reading a lot of this. And she's like, okay, let me, let me check. I think it's called like up to date. It's like the medical system that gives like what's, you know, protocols or whatever else. She's like, oh my God, you're right. We need to update our like protocols. We gave, we're going to have to like give you a new prescription. So I was like, okay, now I have um, asked for the test to diagnose myself. I have re-prescribed myself medication, and I am figuring out how to do this diet all on my own. Like, what is this? Yeah. So, you know, that's how I started. And then, like I said, 80% of the time it comes back because you're not addressing, you know, you're not actually addressing the root cause. cause, So, like, here I get to the point of, like, that's what I'm so, like, passionate about is getting to the root cause because, like I said, most people just start with that IBS diagnosis. And like you said, that's enough that some people are just like, okay, I'm going to have to live with this. Mm-hmm. 60 to 70% of people with IBS have SIBO. But SIBO is not a root cause either. So what's causing the SIBO, which is really where I, like, that's where that's my, your, that's that's my playground now. now. Um, but I will say just, like, Going through that whole journey myself and still not, like, still struggling, even after being like, okay, I thought I finally had an answer and I'm still struggling. I was just like, this is the way that we're going about this is completely broken. Um, And I just became, like, so passionate about it after, like, trying to do it so long by myself that at the time I was working corporate career you know, I was moving my way up. I was managing a team. I was, um, but I just, I just kept like, I'd be like, I really feel like I need to take a different path. And then I was like getting, it was, this was in 2019. We were getting married that year. Um, and my husband's like, I mean, if you want to go back to school, it's not too late. I mean, obviously we didn't have kids. Um, and I'd be like, ah, no, I mean, I already had a master's degree. I was like, I can't start back over again. Like, you know, I was doing really well in my career, but it was just like this like nagging feeling that just kept hitting me. And then more time would go by and I was like, no, I've got, I've got to do that. I just, so I left my, um, career like at the end of 2019, which couldn't have been more perfect timing because I left December of 2019. I started a nutrition therapy um, master certification program January of 2020. I was already rolling a couple of months in and the pandemic Shut hit. down. Yeah. So I was like, it didn't slow me down. Like right. I was just, so I did that. Um, and then, and I've just continued to like progress in my own, obviously health journey throughout that too. Um, but I still was never like, I still, it still didn't click. Like we're still, we're still just kind of like making progress, um, you know, and then I decided, okay, I want to get, I want to sit and get, um, board certified in holistic nutrition, did that next. And then I knew that no matter what I did at this point, I didn't really know like how my work was going to be focused, um, in the realm of like nutrition, but I knew that I wanted to focus on gut health. And so I ro- I started into another program um, that's – it's the Restorative Wellness Solutions is the entire program. But I started in their level one that really dug into how to do um, gut functional testing and build protocols around that. So it was comprehensive stool analysis and food sensitivity panels. 
And at the beginning of the class, I did both of the tests on myself and used myself as a guinea pig through the class, um, which they highly recommend you do in, in their classes so that you know what you're asking of your clients. And at this, I will say at this point too, like I said, the SIBO had been coming back. And because you were loosening things up with your nutrition or no, stress. just because I had never really got to that like root root cause of it, gotcha. and so at so this by point, now you had eliminated dairy. Yeah, I mean I had yeah I'd eliminated gluten and dairy. Yeah, um, I'd brought back all my other food sensitivities, but I had given gluten and dairy. I basically was eating completely paleo. You know, I eliminated all of my work stress. Now I was like learning and doing what I loved, mm-hmm. what I was passionate about. Um, but I still then some other stuff started coming up down the line. So now it's not just digestive issues, but now I'm having more trouble. I'd always been, um, on the insomniac side. So now those are starting to get revved up again. But then the real kicker was I started having headaches every single day, Oh man! like bad headaches. So I ended up seeing, going to an ENT who then sent me to another who everything checked out fine. So he's like, I want you to see they're so all like they're all like so yeah. specialized. So it was like, okay, now I want you to see the ENT for allergies. Now I want you to see the ENT for this. So I saw three ENTs and they for, then they were like, can't figure it out. You need to see a neurologist for migraines. Well, guess what? The wait to see a neurologist is nine months. Wow. Talk about so, job security there. Wow. Why? Yeah, well. exactly. Wow. So while I'm waiting this nine months is during the time that I'm in this gut um, certification. And I'm doing this testing on myself. So when we go through testing and build out a protocol, protocols are 12 weeks. Okay. So you have some time. So I have some time. Yeah. Gone. Within the 12 weeks. Within the 12 weeks. Your headaches are My resolved. headaches are completely gone. I got off a of sleep medication, finally figured out the issues of my digestion. Oh man, that's awesome. I mean, they say I mean, they say your gut's like your second brain. So it's your Well, yeah. And so, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that your second brain would play a direct correlation into your one brain up here in the in the dome piece. Um, so that's I mean, that's pretty cool. So what'd you change? Well, so um I mean, speaking of like the gut's your second brain, I think people only think of their gut as like digestion, but there's really three main roles of our digestive system. Digestion, our second brain, because we have an enteric nervous system within our gut that directly links with our central nervous system. But also, I mean, the gut itself uses like 30 neurotransmitters that most of them are identical to what is in the brain. But also of that, 90% of the body's serotonin is produced in the gut. Hmm. And over 50% of your body's dopamine is produced in the gut. So happiness comes from the gut. So happiness comes from the gut. And then the third area would be modulating. 90% of the serotonin? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the third part piece? Uh, would be um, modulating your immune system. So 70% of our immune cells yes. actually reside in the lining of our gut as well. Because if you think about it, our gut is like the way that we're bringing like the outside, the outside world in. in. Right. It's the only thing, the way that our body is open to the outside world. And so it's our first line of defense. And then from there, those immune systems can cells can either travel to other parts of the body 
or they communicate with the other parts of the body by inflammatory cytokines and that kind of thing. So I think that people often think, you know, like you said, obviously you've heard of the gut-brain axis, but still people think, well, I'm only concerned with the health of my gut if I'm having bloating and having not having, you know, regular bowel movements or whatever else. But a lot of times it's the mood and... Oh, 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 different kinds of things. I mean, oh so, my gosh, so about, much. Uh, there's uh, very important, you know, things for a living. One is to breathe. If you stop breathing, you die, right? If you stop drinking water, you die. If you stop eating for a long enough period of time, you're going to die, right? It baffles my, it blows my mind how one of those three things, you know, food included, when you go into a doctor, and I'm just, you know, kind of thinking about this throughout the entire story is you went into the doctor and you asked about diet. Mm, not really sure. This is an essential means of life. Uh The antibiotic is not an essential means of life. What the food that you put in your body is an essential means of living that is not focused on nearly as much as what it should be unless you, and it's, and it's part of your problems, unless you have problems. And even still, um, I think everybody knows just because you don't have problems now, doesn't mean that they're not developing. Mm-hmm. Right, and or, that's the problem. Is a lot of times it's a long time to see that from the point. It's to, I mean, just the gut, but also I mean, with everything. Well, you know, we look at diabetes. Yeah, and yeah. you know, not to like go it off d- on a on a overnight. different tangent that way, but like there is a lot of markers that happen way beyond like that diagnosis, or way way before, way before, or way before. Sorry, same thing with the gut. Well, think of it like psoriasis or any sort of like skin disorders. Like something's happening inside before it's expressed or manifested, or even simple things outside. that are normalized. I mean, oh, my stomach kind of hurts a little bit, or I'm I'm pretty gassy, or I'm a little bloated, or I'm this. The things that are normalized as just normal behaviors mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily needed or 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 should be normalized. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's just a you know, it's just it's just a normal yeah. way of life. But you could you could fix those things, and right. not necessarily that they have to be fixed, but they could lead to other things. So you're saying so we've led up to the education side of things, and then yeah. moved into, and one of the things I also really like about your story is the fact that you have empathy with a lot of people. A lot of people You've can been go in pain. Well, yeah, a yeah. lot of people can go through the studying. Uh, through, through the studying process, but have never experienced the pain that you experienced. They've never experienced the frustration or the amount of money spent money spent on going to all these different doctors. You've done all the process of over the course of 12 years or whatever it may be. And now your goal, correct me if I'm wrong, is to condense that into a 12 week period, right? Like, Hey, you may have experienced this for, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars plus the amount of time spent and the discomfort felt. Now here, I, I know that feeling. Let's get this down to a much quicker time frame, right? Is that kind yeah. of like- when And part of that too is like, well, like the protocol itself, depending on, so I guess let's look at what comes, what we test on to backtrack a little yeah, bit, so like uh, a comprehensive go, I, stool analysis. Yeah, I come so in, we can kind of like get the background of like what a protocol would look like, what that 12 weeks Before is. we dig into the protocol, how do you make this sexy? Right? We're talking yeah. about literally taking a little scoop. Like I've done this several times. You take you like poop yep. into like a bag. like a bag that sits on the toilet. I mean, it kind of looks like a container that would like you put like a hot dog like in, yeah. a, in a little container. Right. It's a hot dog. And it's yeah, it's quite <laughs> a hot dog. So, uh to me it's like I'm in for anything that will help improve health. Like you tell me to poop here and grab a scoop out of it and whatever I need to do, I'm in. Um 
But I guess the question is like, how do you make it like sexy or essential? Sexy to, or to me, because every yeah. t- every yeah. time I go back and hear the statistics, it becomes more sexy to me. So I'm like, wait a second, seventy percent of my immune cells are where? So so ingesting that sugar is going to have a direct effect on my immune system. It's going to have a direct effect on my uh, my serotonin production. You know, like he- hearing that out loud amplifies it. But how do you get people excited about it besides statistics? I would say. Can it, well, I mean, it just digestion has to be the top healing priority in the body because the digestive tract is literally attached to every other major system in the body. So, from the standpoint of. If you're not digesting, like back to your point of like the three main things we need to live. Yeah. If we are not digesting and absorbing the nutrients we need, that is going to affect every other system in your body. Period. So how about and that? And that is an important thing that I look at too, that it's not just putting the right food in your mouth, but you have to be, your process of digestion has to be working optimally so that you can actually absorb those nutrients. Mm. So how about this? I if I ask this too. question. Um, if we work on our gut health, will yep. it improve our sex life? Absolutely. All right. Will it improve my aesthetics? Absolutely. So I'm going to ha- look better. I'm going to have a better yep. sex life and I'm probably going to feel better. There, there's your sexiness I mean, right there, there. I mean, that's pretty there, sexy. Yeah. Right? Legit. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what everybody really cares about. Be like, right. I can deal with some pain, blah, blah, blah. You, it's going to make my sex life better. It's going to make, I'm going to look better. Look better well, naked, shoot, let right. me, let me friggin' poop in a bag and yeah. scoop it out. So yeah. that's what, I mean, after, I will say now the gut is still like my bread and butter. Uh, cause that's the foundations, but I've actually moved on and now, the second level was hormones. Mm-hmm. So now I have functional um, adrenal sex hormones, all of that under my belt. And I'm also now going through blood chemistry. So I'm doing very comprehensive um, blood chemistry analysis too. And just like you said with like, is this going to improve like my sex life or whatever? Like when we're looking at hormones, there are, yes, our hormones are off. But it's kind of that, like, back to the root then, there's a reason our hormones are off, and the foundation of that is one of the things is the gut. Yeah. So no matter if your hormones are off, I'm still going to start with the gut. Yeah. You can do hormone replacement therapy, or you could fix your gut, and that'll be your hormone replacement therapy for you. Right. right? Technically speaking. I mean, to an extent. To an extent. To an extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I walk into your office or your house or I Zoom or whatever it may be that I do. You can explain how we do this. Yep. Um, And then step by step, let's go. Okay. So. Uh, Here, I'll use an example. And this would be a kid example. So Walter, Walter, my, my, uh, my middle child, Mm -hmm. right? He, we, we've gotten, we went to the doctor, got him. Uh, his poop tested, or at least, yeah, we sent it in or something like that. Um, he always has loose stools. I mean, never, ever has hard stools. Every once in a while, he'll complain about a bellyache. But other than that, I mean, he has loose stools all the time. We feel like, man, something has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. We've tried different things. Um, and I would say uh, gotten rid of some foods. Um, he's actually our best eater, right? And so I'd be like, well, hey, I'll bring him into you. Well, it tests his poop. Um, yeah, so like I would say there's a difference between, like, when I look at the tests that I run, like, the first page is, like, the big hitter, like, viral bacterial infections. That's probably all they're running 
if you're running like a stool test at the doctor. Yeah. Um, so it's not as comprehensive and getting down to like the, a lot of the other factors that could be at play. So that's the problem too, that like testing is an essential piece because a lot of the symptoms can be manifesting from, or like the same from different root causes can be causing the same symptoms. So it's like, well, loose stools could be caused by, I mean, what if he has a parasite or, you know, a different kind of like bacterial overgrowth or it can be multiple things. And so like having the testing to like rule that out is just such a more like effective approach. Yeah. Um, but so the difference, like the stool testing that I use, um, I use the GI map, which is it uses a um, unique type of DNA analysis that's the like known to be one of the most sensitive um, tests on the market. So like I said, it covers those like big hitters. Like if you think of like staph infection or, you know, some of E. coli, like all of that stuff that you would have normally, you know, checked with your stool at the doctor. But then it checks H. pylori, which is actually a bacterial overgrowth um, stemming from low stomach acid in the stomach. Um, flash alert, that was one of the big issues for me that I ended up finding out about. Um, it checks for, so when we think about these hundreds of trillions of bacteria within our gut, I'm going to use a really like dumbed down analogy to like get this yeah. full picture. So like I said, the majority of our bacteria live in our colon. So if you think of your colon as like your garden, whatever you're growing in your garden, whether it's flowers, vegetables, whatever that is, those are the good commensal bacteria. The dysbiotic overgrowth pathogenic bacteria, that's like the weeds in the garden. So the problem is, is when the weeds, like you're always going to have some weeds. Every garden has some weeds. But the problem is when those weeds overgrow the beneficial bacteria. So that's where even back to John's earlier point about antibiotics wiping out both of those, the problem is if you wipe out too many of the good guys while you're already wiping out the weeds, you still may have a ba- imbalance mm-hmm. between the two. Sounds like Roundup. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we check for keystone species of all of those flowers, vegetables, all of that. We check for the what your levels are there because we know that those play such important roles. Um, we check for overgrowth pathogenic bacteria levels. Um, there's also markers that can indicate like associations with different autoimmune diseases based on that, what comes back, um, yeast, um, and fungal overgrowths, which a lot of that can be really common too. If you're having like, I see this with females that are having a lot of like, um, vaginal yeast infections and like can't figure out that they're just like reoccurring. It's like, well, there's probably still yeast in the gut that needs to be addressed. So I see that as a big correlation. Um, parasites, all different kinds of parasites um, come back as testing. But then the really important part, um, or it's all really important, but the other part that I love about it is these other intestinal health markers that it checks like, do we have enough pancreatic enzyme output? We need that to properly digest our food. Do we have, are we able to digest our fats? Um, we check, like we said, 70% of our immune cells live in our gut. So we can check what the level of activity of immune response is in the gut. So we can check our SIGA. 
Um, we can check an immune response against uh, gluten. We can check the calprotectin, which is one of the most studied levels of inflammation within the gut. Um, we check so many of these other markers that can start to give me a picture of not just like pathogens or what needs to be like eradicated from a or worked on from an environment perspective, but also then optimizing like the process of digestion as well. So what's the most common thing you see when people come in? Most common, like if you're saying seven out of 10 people come to me and they see this, what would it be? H. pylori. H. pylori. Which is? Yeah, what is? So H. pylori is a bacterial overgrowth um, that occurs in the stomach when we don't have enough stomach acidity. And what causes a lack of stomach acidity? So number one factor, um, the two factors that really cause a decrease in stomach acidity are um, it does naturally decline as we age. So I see that a lot, but also stress. Mm. So that's the big kicker that, um, I mean, really, if you look at some of the experts. Stress affects your stomach? They say, they, you look at some of the experts, they'll say like 90 to 95% of, of us are deficient in stomach acid. All right. Okay. So we're deficient in stomach acid. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of people that are, that'd be considered, you know, that deal with that. So then what's, what's the next step? So you find out that, and then, then where do we go from there? Well, so first of all, if I can determine the pattern that you're low on stomach acid, we're going to work on supplementing back up. What would be actually, we, sorry, Becca, what would be some, um, what would be some, uh, common, uh, what was it, symptoms or what would people like experience okay. that have yep. low, uh, low, low stomach, stomach acid? acid yeah. um, so it's associated with all of your like common um, gastro symptoms. But the other really big thing with um, H. pylori overgrowth and not having enough stomach acid is having acid reflux, mm. heartburn. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people can feel like they start eating and they already feel like full right away because their food just feels like it's like stuck and it's not moving. And what that is, is, and why I always go, so when we look at the process of digestion, it's a complete north to south process. So every single step affects the next step. So when I said that we're so deficient in stomach acid, um, as modern Americans now, because we're chronically stressed, well, the first part of digestion starts in your brain. So it's not once food's already in your mouth. Mm. I mean, it's think of... Think of Winnie when she's uh, at the table and you're putting food on your plate. And she thinks she might get some. This is you're gonna, Jeremy, Jeremy's dog. She's gonna yeah, yeah. she's start gonna salivating. start salivating. Oh yeah. So that that signal in your brain gets your salivary enzymes going, which we need to start uh, breaking down carbohydrates. Um, and then having that once our food hits our stomach and it signals to your stomach you don't to salivate, start. You don't salivate over protein or fat. Any food. Any, any food. Oh, any food. Okay, any sorry. Food. But we just there's there's only the only enzymes that are in your saliva are things that start to break down carbohydrates. Which is why chewing slowly. Interesting. Slowly, slowly, slowly we slowly. don't we don't actually. So I'll go. Th I'll go through. So like like a steak won't make you salivate. No, it will. Yeah. You but just you don't need you it don't, to break it down. You just don't actively start the any of the enzymatic breakdown in your mouth got you but with carbs you do with carbs you do it's the only thing um and then and it's just like small it just starts breaking them into a little bit smaller molecules mm -hmm. um and then really when that and then that triggers that brain signal too triggers your stomach 
to start producing enough hydrochloric acid. The only thing that happens in your stomach, we don't actually digest anything in our stomach either. It's just this like churn and burn. And really, it's all about that proper stomach acidity. The one thing that does happen is we start to denature our proteins. So if you're going to properly digest your proteins, you're going to have to have enough stomach acid. Mm. And I'll say along with that, there's a lot of nutrients that are bound to proteins that if you're not properly breaking down your protein because you don't have enough stomach acid, you're not probably going to utilize your B12, your zinc, your, you know, all of those that are bound to proteins. Hmm. So that can be important too, but okay. Would iron be one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Iron for sure. Yeah. So that feeling, so that feeling of then once you're in that like proper stomach acidity in your stomach, then that will trigger like, okay, I can start like moving food down into my small intestine. Your small intestine is where you do all of your digesting. That's where all your digestion happens. But when I say that people and have for the to, layman, and I'll, I'll be one of them, digestion translates to absorption. Yeah. I mean, H- if how do really, we- I guess really digestion really falls down into like six different sectors. Absorption would be like the I, last. I'm thinking about like, like um, utilization. Yeah. You know, if I eat however many ounces of steak, what's for my optimal health, I want to be able to absorb and utilize the highest percentage of that possible. Right. So in your stomach, you're going to start denaturing that protein so that it can be digested. You are going to digest and assimilate in your small intestine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're going to break it down because every single process, like we start with our food at this very high level protein, we have to then break it down into like get to the point where it's these single amino acids. Yeah, you're breaking it down to a cellular level. Yeah. Yeah, so you're taking a steak, which was once a cow. And right. now as a steak, you're breaking it down into a smaller, 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 smaller until it's a cell. Yeah. And then your body can use it and it runs throughout your entire body. Pretty yes. much, right? Yes. But you also have to you have to absorb that through your small intestine. So if that small intestine is damaged, this is where I said, like, just because you're eating that steak doesn't mean you're absorbing those nutrients correctly. Oh, yeah. A lot of times people can be eating the the the, the right or uh, enough protein, but they're not seeing the progress of the gains from it uh, because they're not absorbing that protein. And the first step with that would be is going back to like they're probably deficient in stomach acid yeah, and or digestive enzymes potentially. Now we're in the small intestine. And so leaky gut syndrome, I think, yeah. is a catchphrase that a lot of people yeah. have heard of. Can you talk a bit about that while we're in the small intestine? Yep. So leaky gut, really. So the um, the lining of our small intestine, it's like it's one cell thick, which is like half of a strand of hair. I mean, so thin. And it's just one. So it's so fragile. And it's cells that are just like layered on top of each other. So everyone can't see me, but I got my fingers like intertwined. So those cells have to hold themselves together super tight. And what happens, leaky gut is really just those cells that start something, um, starts to then damage inflammation. Um, oh, my God. We could go on and on about what starts to damage those cells. But what happens with, it with leaky, bad, bad nutrition, with leaky stress, gut yes, yeah. um, is that they start to loosen their grip. And remember, they're only one cell thick, so it doesn't take much, and then you've got these open holes. So like I said, when you're digesting, like 
we're breaking it down from this high level to a medium level to a small level to until we get to those cellular level. And so it starts to be able to move into the bloodstream before it's at that like level that it should be because it can fit through those leaky yes. holes, those yeah. gaps. Um, so that is when in with our immune system being on those cells of that lining, that's when it just triggers your immune. Because even if it's something as simple as a steak, your body sees it in a way that's not the cells of the steak that it recognizes. So it's like, oh, this is an invader. I don't know what this is. I'm going to attack it so that it, I'm protecting you. And so that's where we develop food sensitivities. And that's where that kind of plays in a role too. Okay. All right. So we move on that, from small intestine. Thank you. That's, yeah, that, that always, that freaks me out always. Like what? just having my food, you're basically in a way like fecal matter is just like leaking through your body in a sense, right? Or, or we're not well, there yet. So you, that, that'd we be the large We intestine. wouldn't be at the fecal matter yet, yes. but you are having undigested food. food particles. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're in the small intestine. We're in the small intestine. One cell thick. Yes. I did not know that. It's very fragile. Okay, so now we move on from. Now we go. Keep going. Um, so then we move to the colon. Um, all of our food at this point, the majority, all of our food except for fiber should have been properly digested in our small intestine. So here's another indication if you are not digesting, especially your protein well enough is, um, you have that really like odorous gas, like kind of like a, like a sulfur, like like rotten rotten egg egg. because protein is making its way. It should have already been all digested in your small intestine. You need more acid. If it's making its way to your colon, then that's starting to like ferment that protein. And you're you're low on acid. You're low on acid. Got you. Um, so, but besides what you should only be making its way into your colon is fiber because fiber resists the enzymatic breakdown mm-hmm. of all the process of digestion because our fiber is fuel for our microbiome, for our colon cells, the good for bacteria. Our, the good bacteria. All right. Okay. So we've made it there. So you got stinky farts and uh, bad breath. Bad breath can yeah. be um, mm. something I see too. All right, and then you also have what about uh, body hunger. odor. How does body odor play? You know what? I don't. I mean, ima- imagine there is right. Make, there's some way to link it back. I mean, it's got to be like this. I would think it's the same connection. Okay, but that All one right. I can't answer for sure. Okay, all that right? Yeah, we're good. How far back should we go? Uh, do you want me to look at it? Uh. Go back to um, don't take antacids. <laughs> we can go, yeah, you can go back there. All right, so you have uh, heartburn. So we had a little battery uh, shindig go on. So we got new batteries into the old recorder. We're, we're fresh. Shindig. We're fresh. Fresh now. batteries. All right, we may have, may or may not have. Um, don't take antacids if you have heartburn. Uh, and why? Pharmaceutical company money <laughs> making lo- lots of cash off short term solutions to a long term problem. Yes. So, so like Actually, as we're w- working away like through the digestive tract, this is just like helping me paint paint a much more clear picture of um, what's happening, things that are happening wrong. We were talking about um, excess gas 
And, and basically you're coming to the conclusion that a large percentage of people that come to you with issues are low in acid in their stomach. Yes. And we've been told that we want less acid in our stomach, which can solve the problem in the short term. Yes. So we've been told that the reason we're having reflux is because we have too much stomach acid when really our stomach acid is what keeps that sphincter closed between our esophagus and our stomach. Um, And so if we are taking like a proton pump inhibitor and acid, something that is naturally shutting off our production of stomach acid, naturally you can't have reflux if right. you don't have any stomach acid but there. Then, so that's going upstream. That seems to work out really nicely because yes. now I don't have pain. Right. But as I go downstream, I'm no longer able to break down those nutrients as they travel from my stomach to my small intestine and on through. Yes. Because remember I said every single step of digestion starting from the brain mm-hmm. all the way down to the colon affects the next. Right. So if you're stopping that, we that stomach acid was key starting in the stomach. You are affecting the large inte- or the small intestine where you're digesting, absorbing all of your food. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot with the gas and bloating okay, after so, meals. So okay, so we're back in the small intestine. We have the little, you know, so when you put your hands together and you make a, or you put your fingers together, you make a tight little, you know, uh, bowl, almost like a bowl, yeah. And then and then what you're saying is like the le- leaky gut situation is where that those little gaps are, are created. Uh-huh. So. The, the cells that are supposed to be being absorbed in the body on a cellular level are a little bit bigger than that. And that cause, does that cause autoimmune disorders as well? So there's, I mean, there's a lot of things at play with autoimmune, but there's, it's been found that with the development of the autoimmune actually like onset, there's always a gut component to that. Okay, so, so having that leaky gut is like always a component. So whether for it's that correlated or cause. Yes. Or, or it's caused by it's okay. Um, all right. So then we work our way, walk us through after the small intestine. What, what's next? You're getting into the colon. So, um, yeah, in the colon, we're just finishing out. We should have already digested all of our food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, we just have our fiber left. And our fiber is what um, feeds the good bacteria and nourishes our entire digestive system. So, and you think back earlier to um, my analogy of the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got the good bacteria that we want to like flourish and grow. You know, we got our flowers. We're working on keeping those weeds down. What we are, um, a lot of people think of like probiotics are so, so hyped mm-hmm. like these days. But I like think that prebiotics aka fiber the food for our gut is like even more important so i always like to say that probiotics are like putting seeds in your garden okay you're you're allowing them to take up you know hopefully take up residence to grow um but fiber and prebiotics are like watering your garden it doesn't matter how many seeds you put down. If you don't give those seeds what they want to eat wow. to be able to grow, like that's so essential. Yeah. It's not happening. That's a and, really, really good analogy. And like we are just, I mean, so deficient in fiber. 
Just based on that common just, American diet. Just common American diet, exactly. Yep. Okay, so we're deficient in fiber. So we, we've 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 come to the conclusion that we are we are we don't have enough uh, stomach acid in our in our body, mm-hmm. right? We've we've talked about the symptoms. We've talked about what it can also cause. We've talked about the how it you know sensitivity in the uh, the small intestine liner. Therefore, prebiotics, probiotics, prebiotics help the probiotics. Correct. Yep. They, they, water, yep. they water it and also good soil. So they probably provide good soil for the good old seeds to grow. Um, so you're thinking uh, fiber is one of those big things that everyone is deficient in. Yep. Right. And that's why you like that. Uh, what do you have? Yeah. Psyllium husk. Oh, that psyllium yep. husk for days. But so what are some other things that you recommend for people to do? Um, like start, that? With that, start with acid. Yeah. With the acid stuff. So we said, oh yeah, don't take antacids. Instead, Blah. I would say so. I I would not tell you to just run out and go supplement with hydrochloric acid on your own. Work with a practitioner who right. can figure out what your optimal exactly. dose right. is. You're playing with fire a little bit. Um, yeah. So I mean, I do a very low and slow approach to figure out what is the right stomach acid level for you to get you to that proper acidity. So instead of like, let's take most products on the market. It's not like stomach acid and vitamin C, right? I mean, it's like it can, let's say a normal product is like 750 milligrams. Well, you take that and it may be too much for you. You may cause like more negative like side effects. That's the purpose of the testing though. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, but this is like a solution is, after testing. Um, well, I this is like a test, like a challenge test that I do with clients as we're like basically most of them. If I determine based on symptoms, I'll have them do this while we're waiting on our test results because mm. it's just stemming that optimize. And I, cause I see it with everybody. Mm. Um, and one of the things, so it's important, like I said, to work with a practitioner because one of the things is if you're not, um, if you're, tr- if you go through the first part of my challenge and figure out what, and you can't even tolerate any stomach acid. You might have some upper GI that we need to work on healing. You might have inflammation in your esophagus over time that we need to work on that first. Um, So I can kind of determine like first step, if that's even further up the chain, we got to work on that. Mm -hmm. Then we can get to the stomach acidity. Um, But I also do like a really low dose of hydrochloric acid. And I have you take like one pill with meals for three days. And basically, I want to get to the point where I can get you to feel like you do have that, like, heartburn, where you have, like, too much acid. But you challenge really low and slow. So days one through three, you don't feel anything. Okay. Day four, we're going to bump it up to two. Day seven, we're going to bump it up to three. And so we're giving your body enough time to figure out exactly what is, like, optimal for you. Oh, that's cool. And I see it, like... So the thing is, it's so low, like five of the, what I'm calling this like lowest dose equals like one of a, you know, main dose. So once you hit like five or six, I can bump you up to a higher level. So you're not taking down like nine pills with every meal. No, no. So um, we're but I about- see it across the board where people may either be like, I'm good with three small ones and that's my optimal level. Or I need like three big ones, which is 15 small ones. Like. It is completely dependent. I clients are completely across the now, board. Now, is this is this for life? So we're talking about taking pills, but they're little, little. They're not necessarily pharmaceutical pills. Is this for life? 
So is there a way, can I get my, can I rebuild my stomach acid and no longer to be dependent on anything? Know? Yeah. So I would say it definitely depends on, again, I said one of the reasons, two of the reasons that we're um, not producing enough is it decreases as we age. Mm-hmm. So what's your age? Maybe you're just hitting that point where you're going to need, and maybe it's lower over time. So maybe we ended up having to build you up to a higher level but then by the end of the protocol and you're still and we're still working through this, we're able to kind of start backing you off mm-hmm. to a lower dose. Maybe you're younger and you have better mechanisms in place for managing your stress and we can get your body to producing enough on its own. Mm-hmm. It's really just variable based okay. on the client. Well, I love that. And and I, I love that because that's the world that we're in. Like it the answer to pretty much any question is it depends. Right. Because everyone is unique. There's no uniform diet plan that works for everybody. Um, and there's obviously no treatment protocol that works for everybody. So we're, well, I'm trying to tease out like broad strokes, like what kind of everybody needs to work on. Yeah. With the huge asterisk that everyone is going to be some, somewhat different. Somewhat different. I mean, the big, the big one that everyone needs to work on that I think we can all agree on is stress levels. hundred percent. I mean, I was hoping I mean, you'd say stress. Number one. Yeah. yeah. Stre- I mean, stress levels are, I, I, I always argue that, um, stressing about something is more deadly than that something that you're stressing about. Uh, whether it's food related. That used to be me to a T. I used to stress so much about food and I would avoid whatever I was avoiding. And then I was just, you know, I, you know, maybe I've matured a little bit or meditation <laughs> has helped, but, but now just like, Hey, I'm going to enjoy this and, you know, em- embrace it, not let it tear me up literally uh-huh. emotionally. Yeah. And, and obviously to your point, physically, physically. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what we say. Like you can eat the perfect diet. I can give you the perfect supplements right. based on your test results and what your body needs. And it's not going to be enough if you're not mm. controlling your stress. Right. Yeah. So everyone, everyone, everyone included myself, everybody needs to work on their stress levels. And that means differently for everybody else. Like everybody's stress levels are different for different reasons and figuring out a way to manage that is going to be the most beneficial for you. But it has a direct effect on your stomach acidity, which we've determined to be something that's important for, for all of us. So, so now going down the stream, feeding the good stuff. Okay. So we, we, so we talked about uh, popping antibiotics, right? It's killing everything. Right. In- including yep. the good stuff. So how do we build back, uh, build back the good stuff? Um, so probiotics, um, can be really important there, especially when you're taking the antibiotic and right after taking you need some a, seeds, t- you, you need to, you need some of those seeds. Um, it's also important to know, I mean, I feel like once things get so mainstream like that, that it's like, Oh, probiotics, you just see it. It's like, Oh, here's a drink with probiotics. Here's this with probiotics. Like, Here's yogurt with probiotics. Yeah. If you think that just eating like yogurt a few times a week is going to give you enough probiotics, it's not the case. Something interesting about probiotics, I told you Walter, my middle child, uh-huh. he's the only kid that we uh, we were told to supplement uh, probiotics in his, in his milk uh-huh. in the beginning. He's the only kid that we did that, and he's the only person with gut issues. <laughs> really? Dead serious. Yeah. For With a probiotic, we've never yeah. done anything with prebiotics because no one's ever said that to us, but um, – but we, I, I put that correlation like two or three months ago. I was like, he's the only one that we have done anything outside of nothing for. And he's the only one freaking issues. <laughs> I would Anyways. say that's probably a coincidence. Coincidence, yeah. Coincidence, maybe. <laughs> but 
if he doesn't have the right stuff, the pre inside the garden, then the pro doesn't. Well, do I'm anything. just saying, I think it's a coincidence that I don't think that him taking the probiotics no, is what causation, no. causation of. <laughs> it's interesting coincidence. Well, yes, you, very interesting. You, you talk about your kids' poop. That's my indicator. My boys are all young uh-huh. enough where I still see their poop. That's my number one indicator for how they're feeling. Yeah. Shape. It, yeah. Color. Yeah. Everything. Like it's what's so going important. on? Is it a sinker? Is it a floater? Is yes. it all just is it diarrhea? Is it solid? I mean, and, and time of day too. Are they, you know, are they staying consistent? Are they regular, yeah. uh-huh. Um and, and when I see like really loose stool, I'm like, all right, we gotta like dial it in here a little bit and, and cl- clean things up. So it's um it, so anyway, we're talking about poop, but back, back to um, it. Sorry. Oh yeah, what was what were we talking about? I don't know, I get Get distracted. I got distracted by oh, saying man. the pre pro um, products. T- you talk about probiotics. Oh, probiotics. Yeah. So the, if we think of – so there's different there's different types of probiotics. So if you're just like walking in the grocery store and like pulling a probiotic off the shelf, um, you're mostly getting a transient strain of probiotic. So transient strains, almost all commercial probiotics are transient. Transient would be the same thing as you're getting with food. It's not like taking up house in your gut. It's basically giving you benefit why it's moving through, which is why you have to continuously replenish it. it. Which is why, which is why you know, eating fermented foods and eating yogurt and stuff, it's not going to like increase your good bacteria, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not really. It's definitely like, don't get me wrong. Good stuff. It's good stuff. It's definitely good stuff. Um, But then. Um, I also like what I typically use when we're like going in with the big guys is a spore based probiotic because that is able to kind of more take up house. Um, and it's um, so the other thing that people don't think about with probiotics is there's hundreds of trillions of bacteria in our gut. That's a lot of different strains. And if you're taking the same probiotic supplement for years in and years out, you're only feeding very specific strains of your gut bacteria. So I may put somebody on, you know, my favorite spore-based probiotic for the length of a protocol, but then we're working through and I'm making sure that they're on a rotation to rotate in and out of different products over time if they're still looking like they need to stay on a probiotic long-term. I think people... I see that a lot where it's like, well, I've been on this probiotic for four years. It's like, well, you're only feeding very specific. Species. 100 billion of the trillion that yeah. are yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Which there's a lot of billions and trillions. Okay. So you're, so you've planted the seeds. Things are starting to grow. We're yeah. Feeding them. How do we now feed we need them to feed fiber? them with fiber. So all, I mean, we all, we, we think like the very, in the simplest forms, we have fiber, you know, soluble, insoluble, but there is like, billions of different kinds of fiber. So every different plant has its own different fiber too. And so the key is eating a variety of fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, plant, all plants, whatever that is, because our bacteria can be picky eaters just like humans can. And so we want to eat a wide variety of foods to feed as many of those good guys as we can. Um, and then there's also going to be, you know, I mentioned prebiotics in specific are going to be a specific type of fiber that are known to be like the big hitters that like our keystone bacteria really, really like. What's an example of that? So examples of that are going to be, um, and it's funny because a lot of, it'll correlate to what our bacteria like. 
that people will tend to have issues with something like SIBO because our bacteria are feeding on it in our small intestine. Um, and so you'll see kind of FODMAP foods can be um, high in prebiotic fiber. So garlic and onion, which people sometimes with um, digestive issues will try to stay away from. Um, so the issue is, well, we want to get to the root cause of why you're having these issues because these are actually good foods that we want to have in the diet. Right. Um, garlic, onion, um, carrots, radish, jicama, artichoke, asparagus, um, basically right. sources of inulin. Yeah. Sources of inulin? Inulin. Okay. Um, other things like your, um, you know, you mentioned the psyllium husk, some of the, um, that can be beneficial. Um, the other thing, you know, a nice trick when you want to eat uh, sweet potatoes and rice is, well, I always want to eat sweet potatoes, but um, <laughs> um, is allowing, so there's a thing called resistant starch. So it's not actually a prebiotic on its own, but when you allow that starch, when you cook that starch, allow it to completely cool before you eat it, you allow some of that starch to break down in a way that it becomes a resistant it basically comes a, it's like it says resistant starch, but it basically comes a becomes a form of fiber for your gut as well. So I did not know that as a benefit. I know that from the keto world of it slows your glucose. It slows your glucose response. So it's and which actually, is the reason I've done it forever. Is like we'll we'll cook a bunch of sweet potatoes and we just throw them in the fridge and we we'll kind of yeah. have them for the week. Same thing with rice. I, I've seen my wearing a continuous glucose monitor. My blood sugar will hit 150 with hot rice. It doesn't even notice it. If it's cold. Yeah. Or cold or even reheated. Yeah. So as long as you allow it to completely cool, cool yeah. you can reheat it in that yeah, resistant starch. That resistant starch will stay. But it actually I becomes know that a feeds your gut though. Yes. Oh wow. So a whole yes. other side benefit. And that's not much to ask. No. I mean, it's a huge it's a huge benefit because you're not getting the blood blood glucose spike. Yeah, and right. you can even look at it as a hack. Like you can. Oh, like, I'm like that's what I call hacks. it. I'm like this is my favorite hack. Oh, oh, people hack. love hacks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cook, okay. eat, yeah. You don't have to cook, eat it cold. Dual you cook breakfast. it. Yeah. You cool it. You cook it again. Yeah. Or and not cook it again. You heat it, heat it back up. Or right. a cold sweet potato if you've cooked it long enough tastes really really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Put a little salt, a little pepper, a little olive oil on it or something. And if you're hungry, <laughs> <laughs> if you're actually hungry. I, I know when my boys are hungry. They'll eat, they like crush the sweet potatoes. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, they get a little picky and they want to go around the edges. But um, that's okay. That's a really good hack. I'm, I'm excited about that. Good to know I'm feeding, feeding my gut while I'm trying to, trying to be lean too. Um, I, I feel like we could like go on and on and on and on about this. Uh, I want to make sure you get a chance to plug. Like, how, how, does, how does somebody find you? Uh, how do they get, get more information and, and where should they go from here? And then three, three quick takeaways. I always want yeah, three, yeah, like yeah, three, good. three quick things that everybody could do, but first they, how do they can you? Yeah. Um, so I, my website is Whitney Martin wellness, uh, dot com Instagram handle Whitney Martin wellness linked on both of those is a discovery form. That's kind of like a, you know, Hey, I'm interested in working with you. And I will do a free 20-minute discovery call just to kind of talk through what you have going on, what I offer, um, just make sure, like, we are a good fit to work together. So that's kind of, like, first step. 
Um, I offer either I can do in person um, out of my home office in Leewood, or I can do virtual as well. And typically, when I am looking at the gut side, um, if we do determine that we're going to run testing, um, I typically have clients sign up to work with me for five to six months. Um, and I do an all-inclusive package in that because I want to be able to support them through the entire protocol coming off of that. How do they like get back to their normal life coming off of that? Um, uh, after the 12 weeks. Yeah. So yeah. the important part of that too is once I, if I, once we do a GI map, determine, you know, X, Y, Z that's going on that we need to address. We work on that for 12 weeks. Let's say we're eradicating an H. pylori overgrowth and maybe even a parasite, um, working on bacteria levels, all of that. At the end of that 12 weeks, I want to take you off of everything I put you on. And then I want to retest on the next like four weeks out from that. Because basically I'm wanting to see like, did we fix the issue? Did we fix the root cause? Because if we didn't and you're still don't have adequate stomach acid, don't have enough pancreatic enzymes, like haven't fixed the levels of bacteria in your gut, those problems are going to come back. Just like I said, you know, happened to me earlier on. So that's always like part of the plan too, is like, I want to fix these issues so they don't continue to be a problem down the road. Okay. So three, you want to talk about your three takeaways? No, anybody, no, anybody like other. So I, I like one, the, 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 Sweet potatoes, rice. Everybody has sweet potatoes, rice. You cook it, you cool it, you heat it back up, you eat it again, right? Okay. Quick little hack. My turn. Uh, you go. Well, so I think that's a, that's a great hack and something that people can do day to day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that, and and it further reinforces it. My why for doing it was purely based on aesthetics, that's like great. literally, uh, and the fact that I like eating them and I want to figure out a way to eat them. But um, for me, the biggest takeaway is reiterating why the gut is so healthy or uh, healthy a healthy gut is so important right uh so you i didn't know about serotonin or dopamine yes yeah, so we've got and our so, mood right um and and the reason that influences our mood is because of those neurotransmitters right. that it produces um we've got our immune modulation so, so there's a lot of unhappy people we've in got the our world skin issues yeah exactly we've got hormone imbalances we've got so, oh man, chronic so, inflammation. So I'm just I'm taking away the the why of of the the importance behind it is is he- healthy gut leads to healthy upstream everywhere else in our life. Yes. Right. And I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happier. I'm gonna have more energy. I'm gonna have better better skin. I'm gonna sleep better. So if you can if you can have a grab one of those nodes, the gut can be a whole like a contributing factor to you. Not- the inability to lose weight as right. well. Right. Oh, for sure. Is there a test that everybody can do? Like, uh, like, a not 23 and me. What's, uh, um, what's the other test? So I would not recommend doing like an online, um, gut test. What are they? Poop test. Yes. What are some of the major brands? Vi- Viome's one Viome. I've had client who brought me a Viome and I was like, this doesn't tell me anything. Cool. It's a cool app. We got to run. We got to run a GI map, and now we'll find the real issues. So, what um, would be? What's your third? So, if if, if he's that, we got a good hack. To me, it's like finding the reason why I should care about this. That's a, that's yep. important to me. What would be your your third takeaway, or or you want people to take away from this conversation? 
Hmm. Variety in your diet. Sweet. Variety. Feet, feet, and this is like we're we're time fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, and yeah. But even I mean, even even with proteins, it's like I mean, even think of like red meat. Well, great, we're eating, um, you know, beef one week, and then next week switch it up and eat lamb, and then switch it over and eat bison, and then it's just I mean, variety in the diet is just so important. And I think if you go back to like ancestral health, like yeah. We ate what was around, and uh, there's a there's a reason that we survived to this point. <laughs> and find a way to de-stress. That's what be the last yeah. one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's probably that's the that's the pinnacle. That's, a, that, that's the pinnacle. And find a way to de-stress. If you have gut issues, talk to Whitney about how to get like get rid of them. Um, and that's male or female, correct? Uh, correct. Yeah, that's everybody. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's I mean that's it. Variety of foods, de-stress, understand your gut's important. And go talk to you to get fixed. Yeah. That's right. E- even though we talked about poop a lot, we've also talked about food and I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, th- thank you for hanging out with us. Um, I, I enjoy the statistics, the data behind it and hearing uh, some terms that I've read about over, over the years. But um, it's nice to be able to reinforce the, the why um, people should actually give a damn yeah. about what's going on in their gut. So thank you, Whitney. Super cool. Appreciate Thanks for it. having me. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I hope, I hope people, um, I don't know. I just, I always felt like it's not like a sexy topic. You know what I mean? People think like, I just had, it's just like an input. Like you put gas in a car and it's like, you know, most of us, I use like 87. I don't have to use like the premium, the the premium stuff. And it just kind of runs. Okay. I feel like people like we've associated food with just like calories. Yeah. Like you get your calories and it provides enough energy and you just, you go on with your day, but. A lot more to it. Where you say you with somebody the other day? Yeah, she was she was virtual, and so I was like, "Well, let me just get the because I have the test kits like at my office that I can give out to clients in person." So like, let me just get it so I can talk through it. And she's like, "Like, you know, oh my god, I have to poop in that." It's like right. it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Ain't nobody gonna see you do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No one's. It gonna took see- me like what? How two and a half years now to get Jeff to do it. He finally just did it. <laughs> really? He finally, he finally, like, I would be like, he would have all these symptoms and he's never really like digested, some digestive, but he kept like brain fog. Like he kept having these memory stuff. And I was like, hey, hey, hey. I know somebody. And then finally, like, um, you know, the other day he was like, okay, I'm ready. Cool. I feel like he everybody could stand it. to be tested. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I mean it's just to just optimize. Figure out what's in your gut. Like I, w- like me thinking too. Like even when you say brain fog or memory stuff, I have memory stuff all. The- like I can look. There's been times I've looked at John, forgot his name. Oh, I remember you say that. Oh yeah, and I'm like, shoot, what is this guy's name? <laughs> I feel like I've person. seen him before. Yeah, no. Uh, so that I mean, and I don't have uh, any gut issues to my that I think of to my knowledge, right? Uh, I ate a very large variety of food, but I I would like to be tested. That'd be like, hey, let's test it up even for optimization. Like yeah. you said, for performance. I mean, you could. It's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, whether you're coming with acute, acute. So acute the thing is or- too, like all of the level, the bacterial levels that like come back on there, like whether they're good or bad and they come back high or low, there's like associations with like certain bad bacteria that's like 
these are the ones that are causing the loose stools. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that are causing, and it's indicative of not having enough stomach acid. So I start to be able to like put this like puzzle piece together and be like, you're falling into this pattern. You're falling into this pattern. But you can do this at any age. Yeah. Elderly or, I mean, or ch children can do yeah, this. Yeah, children can do it yeah. too. I want to get Walter. Wait, are you actually, it's still recording. You can still yeah. be staying there if you want to. Oh, yeah. I want to get Walter tested. I want to test myself. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Oh, that's right. Drop, drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> drop. drop the mic. Done. All right. Call it right there.